Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, it's time for Foreplay, Radio Sex Therapy, with sex therapist myself, Lori Watson, and my co-host, psychotherapist Tony Delmatico. Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy, it is where we help you get the most out of your sex life and talk about all things sexual and intimate. You can find us on the web at foreplayrst.com. Check us out. Tell us what you like and tell us what you would like to hear more about. Sex Talk with Laurie and Tony. Laurie, where is foreplay going to lead us today? Today we are going to talk about affairs. And particularly we're going to talk about what is an affair. That seems like such an easy question. What's an affair, Laurie? Everybody knows what an affair is. Right. Don't they? No. No. I don't think so. I think the standard definition is when you have sex with someone else outside a committed relationship. Would you call that an affair? Yeah, I would. Well, okay. Then but we, I don't think everybody What are we going to do for the next 25 minutes? <laughs> I think we've, so, we've answered the question. Yeah. I don't I, think it's that easy either. Yeah. I think in this day and age, particularly with online stuff and chatting and porn, I mean, people have very different standards about what sex is. And I would say even this one, Tony – I've talked to lots of people who had sex with somebody else, and they said, you know, it wasn't emotional. It was just a sexual thing. So it's not an affair. I mean, people have different standards So what you, about what fidelity is. So if you're in a relationship and your partner says sleeping around with someone else, I consider that an affair, but you don't because you didn't have any emotion around it. Is that still an affair for the couple? Right. And is it still a betrayal? If one person says, you know, I, I didn't I didn't betray the spirit of our agreement and the other person says, oh, yes, you did. Um, really interesting question. I mean, we're, we're coming at marriage or committed relationships today in, in 2016 and the institution of marriage has evolved over the centuries. And it mm-hmm. started out where marriages were um, political moves or financial mm-hmm. moves and, and sex and soulmates and, and those ideas – Never, Often arranged partnerships. Yeah, yeah. that never even played in. And some cultures um, had those things separated out so that it was okay for you to have a paramour or for the man to have a mistress. And that was that was tolerated. Somehow mm-hmm. they knew there were going to be outlets within the relationship. But here in 2016, we're talking about marriages having to be everything. You have to be my soulmate, my life partner, my co-parent, my financial partner. Best friend. Best friend forever. Best and, lover for the next 70 years, 80 right. years if we get right. married in our 20s. And and I think that was a legitimate deal 200 years ago if I was getting married at 16 or 17 and dying of scurvy at 30. Mm-hmm. I could say forever, but we're going to mm-hmm. become two or three people, different people over our lifetimes if we hang around together long enough. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we recreate the marriage to 
have the parts that we need from each other? And maybe how do we become realistic about the parts that we can get outside the marriage? I, I would say that traditionally, um, fidelity means a pledge that I'm only going to be sexual with this other person, one person. If that's what you both agree to, there are, right. there are many arrangements now that that's they commit to an open relationship. Sure. But we're talking about an affair as being something where we both say we're both committed just to each other right. physically. And I would say fidelity also includes a commitment onto a, an erotic life. I mean, I have maybe a patient that will come in, and you know, perhaps it's the wife who is in you know an uproar. You know, my husband had an affair. And I'm like, uh, you know, understanding her betrayal and her anguish and, and how hurtful this is. And I'll say, you know, tell me about how it's been with each other. And she'll say, well, we haven't had sex for four years. And to me, that is also a breach of fidelity. If you are not having sex with your partner for an extended period of time without some good reason, you know, like illness or disease or, or whatever, I mean, to not to withhold sex for a long period of time is problematic. And I'm not talking about the differentials. You know, he wants sex every day and she only wants it, you know, once every other week. You know, the, I don't think that that's withholding. I think that that's very workable. But when it's an extended period of time, and I don't think that that gives the one partner a right to go out and have an affair. I'm certainly not advocating that. Right. But it certainly says, you know, look at you two have breached fidelity. Well, you're not taking a vow of celibacy when you stand up to take your marriage vows. You're saying, I'm going to be fully physical with you and only with you to right. and commit to this erotic life together. So Yeah, my, my you know, marriage vows said that. My marriage vows were Episcopal and they were an old version and they said, with my body, I be worship. Mm. I mean, it was very explicit. Yeah. I made sure of it. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Well, and I think, you know, you're a trained um, sex therapist and I'm a psychotherapist. And I think one of the first things we learn about affairs is oftentimes they are a symptom of other things in the marriage. And for this couple that you're mentioning that uh, that hasn't had sex for four years or three years or two years, the anger and the confusion around um, the infidelity, I think most therapists would view that as a symptom of something else going on in the marriage. Sure. As awful as the betrayal is, it's endemic of other things going yeah, on we, underneath. We understand. It's, it's so hurtful because it's a violation in a very personal, intimate part of the marriage. But it's also something that I wouldn't want to go forward and say that it is survivable and that marriages can come out of the aftermath of, a, of an affair and be stronger. I mean, if you You're can saying, sort it through, it takes one person to, to decide to have an affair, but it takes two people to repair that and, and also to form a marriage. And affairs don't happen in vacuums. I mean, so, some people have problems, right? They're compulsive. Um, they're going to cheat no matter what, and it, maybe it's with multiple partners or whatever. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a person who feels that having an affair is a violation of their own ethics. That person who cheated, who had the affair, and now they're trying to put the marriage back together. Right. So in, in the instance that you were just talking about, an affair wouldn't necessarily be a symptom of the relationship itself. It may be something within that person right. who is unable to commit to just one partner. Right, exactly. And that, that relieves the person of, of any pressure that you know, they've done something to cause the infidelity. Yeah, and it, it brings us back to that question, though, what is an affair? Um, I mean, I've certainly had couples come in, and he's looking at pornography. Very few women of their own look on, at pornography, so it's usually him. And she says, that's cheating. That's it. I'm done. I've had women leave marriages, boom, because their partner looked at pornography. I mean, to, to her, 
that's him viewing another naked body, another female body, and she feels like that's a violation. So how do you work with a couple in that situation? I think it's tough. I mean, I think that um, oftentimes, you know, pornography viewing is ubiquitous in our culture now with men. I mean, what, 30 percent of the the Internet traffic maybe is is porn related. So, yeah. And does that mean that all these men are cheaters and adulterers? Um, You know, but maybe for I mean, I think for some women, the dividing line is over maybe when they enter into a sexual relationship, verbal by Skype in a chat room where there's actually a live person on the other end and they're being sexual. That to me, you know, personally, I think that's a dividing line in terms of if they're actually interacting with a live person on the other end, that's where fidelity ends. And and I think, you know, there's mixed feelings about pornography for many women. So you're talking about Um, an instance where instead of just using the imagery to create excitement within yourself, Mm-hmm. You're actually engaging with another person in, in the sexual arena, whether you're on the, the internet or not, right. and, it, and that's far more damaging, I think. Right, because then you're entering a relational dynamic with that other person that is sexual, um, yeah. you know, or texting. I mean, these days it, it is everywhere. You know, the ability to be sexual with someone else on some level, even if it's not physical touching, is exists and it's easy and it's it's out there and. You know, and it's damaging to the marriage oftentimes, especially if we come into it with a traditional value of fidelity. Yeah. And I think as we're talking about it, it used to be that affairs were something that men had at work with the secretary. Mm-hmm. And That's there, because there, men there are, were at work. Yeah. And there are far more women now. Where, well, there are more women working than there men are. now. Right. And I think and the research is showing. Yeah, women yeah. Are, I think the research is showing that women have affairs at about the same rates men do now. Right. And I know I've given a couple examples here of the man having the affair, but you're absolutely right. Women have affairs too. And they often have affairs for different reasons. And not everybody has an affair about sex, even men. It's not always about sex. I mean, sometimes it's about opportunity, a sexual opportunity, certainly. And sometimes it's also, though, about something that's missing inside. Sometimes it's about something that's missing inside us. Um, you know, sometimes we, we, an affair is about reaching out for maybe the youth experience, you know, how I felt when I was younger and had that wow of somebody desiring them, you know, I mean, it, it's very complicated. It's between the couple and it's inside the person in terms of the two reasons people have affairs. And what I tell the person who's betrayed, you know, the person who comes in betrayed says, I don't deserve this. I didn't deserve this. And the person who was the person who stepped out of the marriage says, I'm not a bad person for doing this. I mean, both of them want that acknowledged and understood. Um, because these things are complicated. People have affairs for complicated reasons. And I think that the affair um, for the person who was betrayed is often very devastating. It's literally like their world is turned on you know, its head. They can get lost on the way to the grocery store because it's a trauma. You know, The person they loved and trusted is suddenly not there for them and has stepped out sexually. And the world as they knew it is, has gone, and they feel swallowed up in it. And the person who had the affair often, you know, that can be an awakening, the discovery moment. Uh, They say, well, if I hadn't, you know, their partner, betrayed partner says, if I hadn't discovered it, it would have gone on. And sometimes that's true because they're not really awake to what this is meaning for them, for their marriage, for their families. Um, 
they haven't analyzed it. They've just been swept up in it. So this part of them that's uh, that was emptier is not being the, the that need is not being met is now being met outside and. Right. That's just gratifying in and of itself. It's a perfect split. I mean, we need two things. We need excitement in life and we need stability. And sometimes we divide those needs into two people. And in a marriage, so, it's hard to get both of those over time. It is hard to get yeah. both of those continuously in a marriage. I mean, we yeah. alternate and toggle in the marriage. And so sometimes it's like, well, this is just an easier solution. You know, I'll have all of that excitement out there and I will then have, you know, my stability at home. And what they don't know, you know, it doesn't hurt them. Well, Laurie, that brings us to the end of the first half of our episode on what is an affair. You're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with psychotherapist Tony Delmedico and author and sex therapist Laurie Watson. We'll be right back. Wanting Sex Again. How to Rediscover Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage by Certified Sex Therapist Laurie Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them, it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy, and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique and that combination together helps marriages be happy improve your sex and improve your relationship with awakening center for couples and intimacy find out more at awakenloveandsex.com and sign up for their next couples retreat weekend hosted by Lori watson awakenloveandsex.com awaken what's possible Welcome back to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm with author and sex therapist Lori Watson. I'm psychotherapist Tony Delmedico, and today we have been talking about what is an affair. And in the first half of our show, Lori, you left off, I think, with with maybe what may be uh, the seed of the affair itself, any affair. And that is, you had mentioned, any time that someone is seeking some excitement or some pleasure or payoff outside the relationship. I think that leads to the affair, something that your partner is not aware of that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's certainly one way that that you get to the affair Mm -hmm. very quickly. Yeah, and I think what you said, your partner is not aware. I mean, one hallmark of the affair, right, is the secrecy. You know, if if there's something about it that you need to keep from your partner, that probably is something that you need to explore inside. Like, is this a temptation that is going to draw me away from the relationship and become an affair, or is it already an affair? I mean, because I think there are there are many things that in this culture, it's um, there's a line, you know, maybe one person feels OK about it, but they're keeping it secret because they know their partner doesn't feel OK about it. And they haven't adequately negotiated that. Right. So if you're not talking to your partner about something, you probably mm-hmm. should open the floodgates on it and just say, hey, I'm take a look at this. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. Are you comfortable with this? I yeah. mean, to my mind, I, I don't know. I'm coming at it from if, if anything that you're doing that you would feel uncomfortable with your partner walking in on you on, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think is is grist for the mill for both of you and trying to figure out whether that's an affair, a betrayal of trust, um, and trying to figure out what those nuances are together. I mean, some couples um, chide each other. What are you watching uh, on porn these days? Is mm-hmm. it massage porn that's turning you on? And, and they count on they that can partner talk about it. bringing that into the relationship as, as something right. that boosts the relationship as opposed to something that drives them apart. But I think what we're saying is, 
uh, each couple um, has to negotiate for themselves what an affair is. What the line is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's something that we maybe assume and we don't negotiate it. And there are so many things to be talked about. And you said, is it this problem that we have keeping in one relationship both stability and excitement, both closeness and autonomy, all in one thing and with so many expectations on the relationship because of our long lives now, is this what is causing an affair, you know, a driver outside? Um, I, I think that I don't know that it's just the need because the need has always been there. But I think it's maybe how we, how we feel about handling that need. You know, sometimes people, good people, have affairs and they have affairs because they haven't thought of another way. And always their partner says, wow, you know, I wish you'd raised a stink, you know, really brought it to my attention how desperate you were about X, Y, and Z because I would have shifted and changed without having to go through all this pain and hurt. But sometimes people who have those affairs, it, it's all they can think about. They, they don't really know another way to maybe talk better and more effectively. An affair, let's say an affair with another person, you know, it's a big shout out. It's a big explosion in a marriage or in a committed partnership. It's saying something. And it I mean, after the initial blast, I think if couples can can know that after discovery there is a way through that they can find meaning, I think that's the good news and something I really again want to say that there is a way through, you can be stronger afterwards, but you have to find meaning. And how do you do that? I I think I have four steps that couples need to go through to recover from an affair and to find meaning in it. The first thing I would say, you know, the person who had the affair really has to come to ground zero. They have to tell their partner, you know, the the basics of what happened. Yes, I was with this person this many times at these points in time. I would say minus the details. I really don't think even if your partner begs you that you should say, and I did this and that sexually, because that almost leaves like a film, a post-traumatic stress film in their head, the betrayed partner's head of, oh my gosh, you know, they were, they were actually doing this. And then every time you go and have sex again with your partner, that film can run through their head. So I say minus the details, give them the essence the, you know, of what happened. And then I think the person who had the affair has to express remorse for the hurt that was caused, even though they may feel, well, I did it because you've withheld all this time and I'm hurt too. I understand that. And there are often, it's a two-party system. There are often reasons that need to be explored. But in recovery, the person who's strayed outside sexually has to offer sincere apologies and often many more times of an apology than they think is necessary because, you know, when when a couple is recovering from an affair, it's like a couple who's trying to get pregnant. You know, everywhere you go, the elevator, work, your best friend, they all get pregnant. And when you're trying to recover from an affair, um, everywhere you look, every politician, every movie, everything is about an affair. And so that's going to re-trigger the person who was left and the person who did the leaving needs to, you know, know that and be aware of it rather than thinking, oh, I hope they don't notice, you know, reach out, touch them and say, Again, I'm committed to you. I'm sorry that happened. We're going to find our way through this thing. Well, and often with the uh, the men and women that I treat individually um, who have had the affair um, really find a short leash, and they don't have a lot of patience for this continual going back to the incident. So if she's working 10 extra minutes at work and comes home, and she comes home 10 minutes late, 
that starts to trigger, well, where is she? Is she having the affair mm-hmm. again? Let me look at his phone when he gets home and he mm-hmm. gets really uh, upset about being poked and prodded, even if he's been a good Boy Scout for the last year and yeah. a half. So yeah. I think if you're the person that has committed um, the transgression in the relationship, you have to have tremendous patience. You've got to understand at some point it's not about the affair. It's about the betrayal of trust. Mm-hmm. So right. something has been broken. Right. And that repair isn't done with it's typically not done with, I'm sorry, let's not talk about it anymore. Let's just I want to put this. It, yeah, I want to put it as far says. behind me as possible. And the, the psyche doesn't do that. The psyche lives over and over at that spot. And so if, you're, if you've done this and you've subjected your partner to this, I look at it like laying down layers of veneer on the trust. Like mm-hmm. every time he or she has um, a thought that you're being unfaithful and you just completely open and give them whatever it is they need so that they can feel safe and trust and, and to be able to trust you again, you're laying down a veneer of trust. And it may take 10, 15 years. It may take two or three years. It may take six months. But the person who's been betrayed is the one that determines when right. that wound has been healed. So and, you have to have tremendous patience. Sure. Absolutely. I had a couple who asked me kind of a Solomon's choice question. You know, should I be able to look at his phone when he cheated? And he says, don't I st- still deserve some privacy? I, I don't want her rifling through my phone every time. And I answered and I said, you should give her the phone and you should not look. I mean, at some point, and I'm not saying early in recovery, but at some point, you know, trust has to happen and, and it does come back. And I think the way it comes back is not through vigilance, checking up and always looking that vigilance only keeps you ramped up in terms of anxiety. The way through to trust is intimacy, is deeper intimacy between the couple, which is kind of my last point, is that recovery includes the couple renewal. Both what was, what in terms the, of What was the third point? You know, I'm I missed sorry. that, but yeah, I, yeah. I think that the partner who had the affair has to have a cutoff, a full cutoff with that other person. Yes. You know, I they need agree. to stop seeing them. If they're a work person, they need to figure it out so that they're not in daily contact with them or email contact or whatever. And oftentimes there's ways to do that without jeopardizing your job. You know, sometimes it may mean, look at, you know, I, I slept with my coworker and we're always going to work together. And that is a really dicey situation because many people who have affairs are having affairs with people they work with. And so it has to be worked out. But I don't think the solution is necessarily um, just like you said, you know, the, the one person who had the affair and has moved on saying, just get over it. That, that probably won't work. But a renewal of intimacy, a discovery of why the affair happened, what the marriage was that the affair happened in, what was that marriage? And what marriage do we want to have now? Do we want to have a marriage? Can we get over this? Can we forgive each other for the hurts and indiscretions that we both had, perhaps? Uh, maybe the withholding or the you know strain or whatever it is. I mean, How do we go forward and have a new marriage that is about us now? And that's the fourth part, the couple's renewal Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. the revival of the relationship. Right. That takes a lot of hard work. It does. It does. Not easily done. And I think that, you know, people say, why, why would I do that? You know, why would I go on and be with this person who has betrayed me? Because everybody says, you know, that's the one thing. If my partner had an affair, I would never, ever I would never be with them anymore. And so they often feel like to to keep going with them, they feel foolish and like they went back on their word and they're not a very strong person. But that's not true. You know, our partners are very complicated and, and our relationships are very complicated. And seeing, I mean, I don't think, 
Um, and this is kind of dicey to say, but I don't think that an affair is the worst way to wound a marriage. I mean, people say the most cutting, ugly things to each other. And I mean, there are many ways to hurt the relationship. Sexual affairs certainly being a big one. Certainly. But it's not necessarily the worst one the I've seen. Mill. Yeah, with the violence yeah. and yeah. control. Yeah. Right. You know, we've Addiction. got we've got just a couple of minutes left, Lori. Thinking about we've been talking about sexual infidelity as a definition for affair, but I think that there are also other types of affairs that we see nowadays. You had mentioned just looking at not just, but looking at porn, um, intimate relationships without sex. So a mm-hmm. lot of texting, a lot of um, work relationships that transcend mm-hmm. just the professional boundaries, um, and, and these, and some are culturally culturally sanctioned. So in the old days, if you were a workaholic, you would say, "Well, you know, they're a good provider; they work really hard." But he may be having an affair yeah. with his work itself. Yeah, or that his, takes all his energy. Yeah. The work is the the real mistress, right. or his mm-hmm. golf game, or your iPad, mm-hmm. um, or your Facebook. You got it. You know. So yeah. anything that any anything that's drawing energy, erotic energy away from the relationship, libido away from the relationship, could be considered an affair. I Even think. sometimes children. I mean, people invest in their children in a way that is more erotic, and I say that in the generic sense, um, not the sexual sense. You know, than they do in their partnership. You know, for instance, women come in and tell me about their children's birthday party with more detail than they ever would talk about. You know, a date that they set up with their husband. Yeah, I would agree. So affairs are, you said earlier, we're very complicated people, and I think those types of things, uh, those complications arise and create potential for affairs yeah. in all sorts of ways, not just sexual. So, And my tip of the day, yeah. what I want to underscore is affairs don't necessarily have to mean the end of a marriage or the end of a long-term committed relationship. Yeah. There's a way through. My tip is if your instincts are telling you something's not quite right with your partner, uh, your instincts are typically right. So. Pay attention. Follow, follow up on those. Pay attention to your instincts. Ask some questions inside. You got it. So thank you for tuning in and turning on with us here at 4Play Radio Sex Therapy. This is psychotherapist Tony Delmedico. And sex therapist Lori Watson. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again with more 4Play. Hey, help us stay on top here at 4Play. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much.